You know, we're in this series. Today is going to be the last, the last part of this series called What Lies Beneath. And I'm going to be talking about what's at the deepest part of us this morning. So any guesses as to what is at the deepest part of us as individuals? <coughs> what might that be? <laughs> we can't pull safe cards in here, man. All right, we're not politically correct in here. <laughs> so some would say the soul i'm talking more about an organ the organ would be the heart and we talk about you know uh, a lot of scriptures speaking about the heart a lot of scriptures that that we use or scriptures that we've used in the more recent past and messages that i've taught and messages that i've preached we've talked about uh, out of the heart the what speaks the mouth speaks and so what lies beneath beneath the skin beneath the muscle beneath uh, the skeleton, the skeleton in us is is really this organ called the heart, and the scripture has a lot to say about the heart. But today, I want to talk to you about not necessarily what comes out of the heart, but about what you put in the heart. Because when we talk about this process of sanctification, and we're walking with the Lord to a place of holiness, and what we're doing really is putting things in. So we've had the illustration about the sin and about the dirt and the water and pouring God in and allowing him to flush the stuff that's in us out, the, the bad things with it that, that, that are really in the flesh. And so we've talked about what some of those are, what some of those things are. Um, and, and as we've, we've talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Hopefully all of you were here or you've gone back and listened to those, those three things that we we've spoken about first john 2 15 uh, we've talked about the exchange that's made the exchange of love it he tells us do not love the world nor the things in the world that that word love there is agape and it means an exchange for god for the things of the world and so that's another sometimes seduction that we get seduced into so today i want to talk about we've we've covered all those areas and that is the process of sanctification, to be aware of those things. Awareness is the first step to responsibility. And now I'm going to talk, instead of what comes out of the heart, I'm going to talk about really about how we influence our heart because how we influence our heart is going to directly impact your path with Jesus. How you influence your heart is going to directly impact your walk with Jesus. And so it's going to be imperative that, that we look at ways and we do things that will influence our heart for his purpose. So what is the heart? Well, my heart is the seat of my believed identity. So my identity, Jesus, you know, we used to say it this way, uh, to ask Jesus to come where? Into our heart. Why? Because he forms our identity. All right? The heart is the real me. It is the seat of all my feelings, good or bad. It's the core of my understanding. It's the lens through which I see and understand the world around me. It is the guidance system of my life. It is the place where I meet with, converse with. It's where I hear the voice of God that is deeply embedded inside of me. So today, when we talk about influencing our heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one of the greatest things that I've learned to influence my heart is this word known as meditation. Throughout Scripture, there are only a couple of other words that are used more than the word meditation. Isn't that interesting? 
that when you look at, at the word itself, there's got to be some power in it. Something, something has to uh, be truthful about that word of meditation. And when we think of meditation, uh, one of you were telling me this morning you're taking yoga. Uh, nothing wrong with, ta- with being in yoga, all right? Uh, just it's a it's a form of stretching and meditation but meditation biblical meditation is how we really influence our heart and so when we're talking about influence our heart we got to we got to use the word meditation now I'm going to speak about forms of meditation here in just a moment but uh, some of you may have the habit of let's say you have breakfast and then you like to go outside and drink a cup of coffee and have a cigarette all right I always make a joke about that Right, but if you can smoke, you can meditate. You ever been hungry? Then you can meditate. Have you ever worried? Of course, I've used this many times. Then you can meditate. Uh, Do you have some kind of addiction? Then you have meditated on that addiction at some point in time in your life. You see, what's on your mind all of the time, or at least most of the time, that's a form of meditation, and it's a form of influence in your heart. Some of us, when we heard the word meditate, we have some kickback to other religious ideas or practices. We think back to the Hindus or to the, the, the Buddhists and how they, they meditate. There was a show that came out years ago called Coming to America. Any of you see that with Eddie Murphy? And he, and he goes into the, the temple, and when he goes into the temple, there's this big thing there, and it's got these scrolls on it, and, and he pivots it like this, and uh, then he has to do a little rap with it. You know, and he starts to, and you see the, the monks in there meditating. Some of your ideas may, may think of some type or connect some kind of religious connotation to that. The word in the Bible really deals with activities that are taking place in Scripture that form meditation. Uh, David, when, before David, he killed Goliath, one of the things you see that David did, he went to the brook, is what the Scripture says, and he chose five smooth stones. Well, when David went to the brook, to choose those stones, the brook, a place of water, was a place of meditation. So what you can read behind the scenes there, the foreshadowing there is that David went down to influence his heart for the battle at hand. And so it becomes very important that we pay attention to how Scripture has the expectation that we would influence our heart as we walk in this journey called sanctification. Because what lies beneath the skin, what lies beneath the bones, what's at the deepest level is really our heart. It's where we do life. And so it's important that we influence our heart. You know, I think I grew up meditating. I'm a preacher now, but just listen to me. The bus would bring me home. I would get a snack. Usually it was peanut butter. I'd pull it out of the cabinet, and I'd put some syrup on it, and I'd mix it up, and I would go in there, and I would sit down and watch Gilligan's Island. Any of you ever heard of that show? And then after Gilligan's Island, I was only allowed to watch usually about 30 minutes, an hour at the most of TV. So after Gilligan's Island was over, out the door I would go. I spent 95% of my awake time by myself dreaming, making up scenarios, throwing a football into trees, uh, simply taking my dad's 22 and walking around the farm looking for something to shoot. When I got a little older, I was on the tractor after school, but nonetheless, I was always thinking, I was always meditating on things. Uh, There were a lot of things that were influencing my heart during that time. I spent a lot of alone time growing up. 
I didn't grow up around other kids I, uh, other than my family except for school and outside of school most of the time I was by myself and the neat thing about those times is I think that's why I go back and get by myself today in order to meditate to meditate on God's word I don't mind driving uh, as long as I the vehicle's comfortable I'm not crazy about driving grain trucks but I don't mind driving and, and going because I meditate. I'm, I'm allowing God to influence my heart. Mark one thirty five. Mark one thirty five. We better jump in the scriptures this morning and move ahead. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So here is Jesus, and he got up at what time? Very early, while it was still dark, Right? Now, if we hadn't had the time change, we wouldn't have to get up so early or so late. I guess we'd be getting up early. I don't know what it would look like, right? But, but the truth is, is he got up while it was still dark. He left the house. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He went there so that his heart would be influenced. He is showing us a way here to influence our heart. Now, Jesus had no sin. Jesus is God. He had no reason to pray. Who did he pray to? Well, Scripture says he prayed to his Father, right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're all one. Was that really necessary? It's necessary because he's showing us right here how we can influence our heart. Jesus is God in the flesh, illustrating and instructing us how this should look in our lives. So, when we read Jesus went alone to a mountain and prayed, we need to realize he did this to connect with, to wrap around, to harmonize with his father, if you will. He was listening, he was reflecting, he was meditating. This is what Jesus was showing us. He was instructing us. He was being the example for us on influencing our heart. Now look at how Paul influenced his heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. See, he's kind of sharing his secret to overcoming these obstacles in his life, like the beatings, the stonings, the imprisonment, the death threats, all the hardships of ministry. Here's Paul, and what he's doing is he's, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. You know, your mind tends to see things that your eyes don't. You ever heard of the mind's eye? What is the mind's eye? It's the ability to see things that these can't. So as you're going down the highway, a lot of times your mind's eye is focusing and refocusing on something else. If you're studying, which going down the highway, I don't recommend that you study, but I did a lot of studying going down the highway, still do today. Right? And my mind's eye is what's doing the reading. It's reminding me. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, that's a good catch. See, my mind's eye sometimes takes me to other places. But we fix our eyes on what is seen, or not on what is seen, but, but on what is unseen. Paul is talking about seeing with the eyes of his heart. He's talking about the mind's eye. He's talking about that ability to meditate and have his heart influenced regardless of his situation or his circumstances. Remember, his circumstances weren't that great at that time. I mean, he, he's gone from the beatings to the stonings to the imprisonment to death. I mean, he needs to spend some time with Jesus and see something from God's perspective. That's a way to influence his heart. He passed on the same advice to Timothy. 
He tells Timothy this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. In other words, you've got to influence your heart, Timothy. Timothy, he's a young man, but he's coming up in the ranks of ministry. And Paul says, hey, you're going to have to meditate on these things. And, and meditation is a way to influence your heart. Don't let the things of the world influence you, the things that are outside the glass, but meditate on what God has given you to think about. Think about God. Allow God to be poured into you so that your heart may be pure. Meditation was the way for Timothy to give himself entirely to the things he had been taught. Paul wanted Timothy to experience the word in a life-producing way. He says, he says this. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I don't know if that's your ambition, but that would be my ambition too. Uh, years ago, Allison and I, we did a CD. Uh, I, I shouldn't say we. Um, I play the guitar. She sung. And the title of the CD was called Quiet Place. This has been 17, 18 years ago now probably. But uh, it, it was funny because the very scripture that we used to put on that CD was that scripture, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. It's a, it's a great way to meditate when it's quiet. When things are quiet around you, it's a time to focus on God. It's a time to to influence your heart in a positive, strong way. In Joshua chapter 1, I know I've got several scriptures here, but I'm just trying to make a, a point here. We'll move on to application here in just a moment. But in Joshua chapter 1, 7 and 8, he said, Only be strong and very courageous. Be very careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, Moses told Joshua that his ability to be strong and courageous, to prosper and stay committed to God's word was directly related to meditating in God's word. In other words, your success, Joshua, is going to be determined upon how much you meditate on God's word how much you allow God to influence your heart and he says to do this how many times a day at minimum he says both day and night all right so a couple times a day he says hey make sure that God has the opportunity through his word through his laws to 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 actually transform your heart to keep you connected to him so biblically speaking, I would say that it's important for us to allow Scripture to influence our heart a couple times a day, man. I think that's a great application. Now, it may be simply memorization. You might just want to put a Scripture up in the evenings and say, I'm going to read this one Scripture every night until I have it before I go to bed. But that causes us to meditate even when we sleep oftentimes. So meditate means to ponder, to conceive, to imagine, to think about over and over, to utter out of the heart. People always say, you know, I don't know how to meditate. It's not true. Uh, we say it this way. Do you know how to worry? Well, then you know how to meditate. But use the same skill in a positive direction here. How do I influence my heart? Well, biblically speaking, 
the psalmist would often look at nature and contemplate the wisdom and the greatness of God. I grew up outside, and, and it's interesting, I, I had a, a, one of my daughters come in, and, and I said, what have you been doing? She said, I've been watching this ant. And she said, this ant just kept going back to his hole, and he was carrying the things that he would bring back were bigger and bigger and bigger. And she said, he finally had this, this thing that was like this big. It was part of a grasshopper. And, and he was carrying the whole thing. Then another ant came and started helping him, and they were trying to pull the thing down the hole. And, and it, it, it reminded me that, you know, the world is full of microcosms. There's, there's all these little micro worlds that are taking place with us. And I, I asked her, I said, well, what did, you, what did you learn from the ant? And she said, nothing. I said, no, there's, there's an illustration going on there. What, what do you see in that? Well, I don't know. I, I, he was just trying to get that grasshopper. I said, well, you saw a helper come along and start trying to help. That's a good thing. We all need help in life, right? And I said, uh, isn't it interesting that an ant can carry so much more than what they look, look like? I mean, and what really what they, they should be able to carry? Um, isn't it neat that God gives us supernatural strength? See, sometimes meditating is just sitting outside and paying attention to the birds, paying attention to the plants, thinking about what's taking place, thinking about all the environments that God has created to remind us of Him. Psalm 1 says it this way, But we are without excuse, is what he says, because of the trees, because of the, the living things that are around us, all of us should know and realize and recognize that there is a God and that God has a name and his name is Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We're without excuse. If you can't see God in nature, if you can't meditate in nature, if you can't see God in, in the chairs that you're sitting in, then we have problems, man. We're not meditating on the goodness and greatness of God. We're not allowing him to be the influence of our heart. Praise and worship. Now, you had to know, I, I told Caleb last week, he said, Curtis, all this stuff seems to be pointing towards the spiritual disciplines. I said, Caleb, you'll get that next week. So as we talk about influence in the heart, that's exactly right. When we talk about this process of sanctification and pouring more of God in, men, I'm talking about ways here of influence in our heart. Uh, for some of you, it, you're a naturalist. I'm a naturalist. I can see God in the small things. I can see, see God outside. Uh, I, I've really been without excuse. I mean, I've even, you know, I used to go rabbit hunting and shoot the rabbits and watch them flop around and then go, man, I feel bad for that. That's God's creation. And then five minutes later, I'd shoot the next one. <clears throat> My dad always said it was a good thing to kill those rabbits, keep them out of the garden, right? So, so that's what we did. But, but you can still feel God. You know, regardless of where you are or what you're doing, I feel God oftentimes in my office because I know he wants to influence my heart. Praise, worship, and prayer, all three of those things kind of go together. They encompass some things. They're, they're meditative in nature. You remember the psalmist, he uses a phrase many times after he writes a psalm. You ever heard the phrase Selah? Not Selah, V. All right, just, just Selah. And, and he, he uses that phrase, it simply means to, to pause and reflect. And so you'll read part of the Psalms and then right there's a little break and it says, Selah. And what he's saying is, hey, you need to stop, slow down, pause and reflect on what was just written. 
<clears throat> Praise and worship is that simple. Scriptural, directed towards God. It allows the worshiper to engage himself in a personal exchange with God. Worship becomes very important in who we are because we are vessels of worship. You need to know that regardless of who you are, how, how tough you are, how strong you are, how self-made you are, that you are a worshiper. God created all of us as vessels of worship. We all have this void, if you will, that is looking and seeking something to worship. And so sometimes that's, we fill that void with simple little things. Man, if I could just have this, if I could just one day work myself to this position, to this place, and this much money with this kind of vehicle, you know, a, a BMW or a Mercedes-Benz, or <clears throat> I remember Jim had a, had a Mercedes and I had to borrow it. It was out on his car lot. And it was one of those AMGs. Jim, that thing hit 160 quick. I'm just going to tell you, that was really a cool car, man. I really liked that one. <laughs> I checked it out. <laughs> now, look, it's not that those things are bad if you have them. They're bad if they have you. They're bad if that's your ambition. They're, they're, there's nothing wrong with, with having good things. I, I prefer a, a Sears Craftsman wrench over, over one of these cheap things that you get at Harbor Freight, right? I would rather have have the good stuff myself but I can't let the good stuff have me because that becomes a place where it influences my heart in the wrong direction I'm a guy that that I would rather drive a diesel truck and not and and pull a trailer twice a year you know and and but have the ability to pull the trailer when I want to you know what I mean I mean there that you can't let those things be what consumes who you are because you'll begin to worship them watch and you'll begin to work for them and that'll be what influences your heart praise and worship we are all vessels who really are created to praise and worship and when we praise and worship this is the neat thing it's that wellspring of water that we talked about last week when we enter into praise and worship it is the wellspring that continues to flow through us over us in us fill us up and then we begin to spill that out over into the world that's where the process of sanctification really happens is in this place of praise and worship and prayer so find those times where you can truly be in a place of praise worship and prayer it's scriptural it's a personal exchange with god it's a time that our heart is exposed and god can begin to write on our heart one of the things we do with the praise and worship here you may not know this but every song is submitted before it's ever played in here to make sure that theologically it's saying the things that we feel like should be said about God and what you'll find out about harvest as a whole is we sing to God we we don't sing a bunch of songs that are talking about fill me up Lord I want to Feel more in love with you. Lord, you are my creator. I'm ambitious. You see, that's all me, 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 and my, my, my. It, we, look, we did it in the hymnals. You guys with some gray hair, you don't think we did. We did. We used to sing songs like, I come to the garden alone. Remember that? While the dew is still on the roses. 
and he talks with me, and he walks with me. Well, who's that about? Is that about me, or is that about God? Tend to, we'll tend to turn the dial to where it's more about me to, to really benefit me and my kingdom instead of he and his kingdom. It's an easy trap to fall into. You know, God is magnified in our heart. He changes our sense of self. He changes our heart as we worship him and him alone. He gets larger in us, and watch, we become larger in life. That's the process of sanctification. So as we walk with him and, and he in us, and we worship him and we meditate on him and we read the scriptures on him, what happens is he becomes larger in us and we become larger in this world and our influences. When I was in the army, you know, I really learned how to meditate on God's word. It was really in that time where God really began to, to speak to me. I, I actually would hide my Walkman in the ceiling tiles when I was stationed in San Antonio and, and I was in the top bunk. We had ceiling tiles just like these and I would stick my hand up there. We couldn't have Walkmans. And I would just, just push the tile over, and I'd stick my Walkman up there and pull the tile back over. And I would listen to Paco Bell. I know that's what all of you listen to. It's whatever 20-year-old listen to, right? I'm just kidding. All right, that's, that's classical music. All right, and so I would, I would put the headphones on because, it, it, this is no joke, I found this tape of Paco Bell somewhere. And <laughs> it's all I had. So I'd put that in. And I kept my Bible up there as well, and I'd pull my Bible down. And as I would listen, I, I, I would just get a piece. I was tired every third night. I pulled CQ or Fire Guard, which meant we were up 24 hours and then marched to class. And uh, we were up all day, had been up all night, every three or four days. And so we were very exhausted, and, and it was chaos. I lived in the 72-man bay. Uh, we had people that when they got 72-hour passes, they would come in and they'd just be toasted, three seats to the wind, uh, drunk in the barracks. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And 72 men in a room about this size, it was just a, I mean, it was a night at the fights. It, it was just a mess. And so in order to avoid the chaos, I would pull out my headphones and I'd put them in and I'd start reading my Bible. And I wasn't even going to church at the time. I can't even say that I was living for God at the time, but I got this peace. This peace would just come over me. And I'll tell you why. Because I was meditating and he began to influence my heart. I, I would become more and more drawn to him as, as the days would pass. See, learn to meditate. Learn to praise. Learn to worship in the right areas. Learn to pray to the Lord as you're going down the road, as you're walking through this life. Because life is truly that. It's a journey sanctification is a journey the road to holiness is a journey but it starts right here in the heart and we've got to influence the heart in order for our heart to influence our vessel from the inside out as God is poured in he begins to to push out the impurities of the world that's why I don't necessarily go after sin management men I generally won't do that I'll sometimes I'll tell you hey you need to wake up and quit this or here's the influences of the world. But for the most part, what I've always said is, you know, I truly believe that as we pour God in, he pushes those impurities out. That's the process of sanctification. And that's how he becomes greater in us. And, and we don't have the world that's so influencing and, and, and really attempting to influence our heart. 
We've got to keep that part out. We've got to meditate in God's Word. We're not looking for perfect scriptural interpretation. You may not have that, right? But we're looking for it to be translated into life application. So, so when, when I talk about meditating on God's Word, you don't have to, have to have the perfect interpretation. I don't know that I understand this. Well, don't understand it. Tell the Lord I don't understand this. I've said that many times. Matter of fact, I've said sometimes, God, you better wake me up. Because I've read like four chapters now, and I don't remember any of it. I don't know, you're talking about Absalom, you're talking about his cousins, you're talking about, I mean, I don't know, you know. And then you, you read Matthew 1, you got the genealogy, you know, and you're like, goodness, man, I just, okay, I heard of Rahab. You know, she's in the lineage of Christ. I mean, I get it. God gets it. It's the cool thing that as you grow in the Lord, you'll begin to understand more of that. And you'll see why the lineage becomes more and more important. Matthew 1, one day will make sense to you, but it probably doesn't today. It's okay. But pray through that and allow Him to keep, keep working because He's doing a work in you while you meditate on Him. See, what does that look like in me? What, what do I like in that verse? Sometimes I have to ask myself, was well, there one key thing in that verse? Uh, you know, what would I be doing if I, if I weren't sitting here reading or if I wasn't meditating on God's Word? How can I put this or apply this in my life today? And finally, Paul tells the church in 2 Corinthians, and he says, We, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness. And, and when I see that being transformed, it means it is a process of being transformed into His image. So as we reflect more upon Him, as we meditate more upon Him, we are truly being transformed more into His image, which His ultimate image is holiness. God's ultimate image, men, is holiness. And this is what I love about our God. It means that He is the only light with no impurities. Every light, including the light you see today, there's some imperfection coming from that light. There, there are, if there weren't, then the light would shine forever. But there's something that obstructs light. <laughs> there are things, there are molecules, there are things in the air. But God is that holy, He's that pure, He is solid light. And here's the neat thing about that. The holiness in God means that there is no imperfections in Him. So as we meditate on Him, this is what the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth here, that as you as you meditate, as you focus on Him as in a mirror, this is what happens. That we are being transformed, we begin the process of sanctification onto this place of holiness, purity, complete purity. And that's important, and it's important that you understand God in that way, because here's what we know. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning this, that if God is that pure, then His heart has to be right towards you. So what's our job? For our hearts to be right towards Him. That's what lies beneath. And the only way that happens is if we allow Him to influence our heart. 